Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Joining us today is head football coach of a program you may or may not have heard of, Bluefield State College in Bluefield, West Virginia. First of all, for everybody, yes, that's an HBCU. Otherwise, I would not be covering them. That's number one. Uh, number two, they have started football, and they're bringing it back right here in fall of 2021 the bluefield state is the second program in as many years to reignite football uh, with florida memorial in miami gardens florida bringing football back last year but enough about those other schools we're here to talk about big blue bluefield state and joining us today from bluefield state is head football coach tony coaxum coach coaxum how are you doing today I'm blessed, brother. I'm all well. I'm excited about what we have going on here and uh, excited to talk to you and I appreciate you having us on. All right, coach. Uh, football. Obviously, football, in, especially for us HBCU alone, is is king. Outside, outside of my degree, you know, going to the football games was the highlight of, well, not the highlight, but one of the highlights of my uh, tenure on the campuses that I've uh, that I've attended. So, Coach, how do you bring a football program back in the midst of a pandemic, Coach? Please give give me some insight. Well, uh, like I said, it's a lot of a lot of good graces and timing of everything. Obviously, the pandemic has been a, a tragic thing uh, across the world. Um, but, you know, there's good coming out of it in, in our sense of, of just how this whole thing played about. You know, um, we all know how it affected uh, schools across the country with, um, you know, fans not being in attendance in games and, and cancellation games. And, and that's a lot of lost revenue for a lot of uh, programs across the country. So, um, you know, when um, when these programs were getting getting this money from the state's funding, the CARES Act and all the different things to kind of fill those holes that were missed um, due to the you know, missing out on on the live games and things like that, well, uh, Bluefield State didn't have all those programs. Only about ten programs here prior to that. Now, President Capehart, who has been on board, I guess about three and a half, four years now, he always wanted to bring other sports back and sort of opportunity. Hey, um, we're getting this in this influx of cash in order to try to fix holes that we necessarily didn't have in, in that realm because we didn't have those sports. So we kind of turned it and invested it in towards you know, green football and, and 11 other sports back. So 
Um, he just real smart thinking on his on his part to, uh, to invest it and put it into something that that we want to get going. And instead of it being a three year plan to you know to hire a head coach and then bring in the staff and then eventually players, got it all set. And you know I got hired on October 9th. Um, I was able to hire staff pretty quickly, and then we started recruiting. And you know now eight nine months later, we have about uh, 80 players here on campus. Uh, we designed our new uniforms. Um, working on uh, facilities like our uh, the weight rooms and, and locker rooms, things like that. A uh, whole new branding with our with our new uh, logo. You know, it's right here, our, our beautiful new logo that we're so proud of in the branding. And um, we're going to play our first game September 4th. So 10 months from the time I was hired, uh, we brought football back from a program that had, had, hadn't had football in 41 years. Now that logo is a great Dane, if I if I remember that correctly. But your official nickname is Big Blue, for those Absolutely. out there. Uh, not gonna quite get into the the whys and the hows right now. Google it; it's out there. The story behind it is is kind of out there. They, from what I know, uh, Bluefield State has changed their logo and their nickname a couple of times, but that that Great Dane has always kind of been a part of the logo throughout the uh, throughout the tenure. And now they're officially Big Blue. The, uh, I think they used to be Blue Devils at one point in time and maybe another nickname, but they are the Big Blue. And they go by that nickname moniker very, so very well. So, Coach, uh, I want to get into, get into your background and to your decision. Tell everybody a little bit about your back background, uh, your coaching background, and then why did you take a chance and come to uh, Bluefield State to be the uh, the first head football coach since 1980? Well, um, I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina, born and raised. Um, love being being from Charleston. Um, I'm a West Point grad. I graduated from there in 2000, played Army football, which is near and dear to my heart. And... Um, after I uh, graduated from West Point, I was commissioned as second lieutenant in the Army and started working at Fort Bragg. Uh, it was my first assignment. And had some medical things, uh, back issues uh, that and uh, back injuries that forced me out a little bit earlier than I wanted to. So uh, moved to the civilian world and uh, started coaching high school ball down in Georgia. And that's when I really caught the coaching bug. Uh, had a full-time job, I coached at high school in my free time. And... Uh, when I realized my worst day coaching was better than my best day on any job I ever had, that's when I decided I wanted to pursue it professionally as a career. I um, was able to get a chance to go back to West Point, coached there for seven years, which was a great, great uh, honor for me to, to go coach my alma mater. Uh, from there, landed in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens for a year, learned of some great men there, coaches and being around the great players in a great organization. Uh, from there, um, that's where I met Gary Kubiak, who was offensive coordinator at the time. Uh, we had a, a pretty good season. Um, he was named, uh, accepted a head coaching job at the Denver Broncos, and he brought me out there with him uh, to coach special teams. Prior to that, I was been a defensive coach. I played defense in, in, in college as well, but I learned my special teams in Baltimore, and he brought me out there to be assistant special teams coordinator and under Joe D. Camillus out in Denver, and uh, we won a Super Bowl our first year in Denver. Uh, which is a great experience, something I'll always cherish and, and uh, be proud of. Uh, from there, spent two years in Denver, got back into college ball, coaching at Central Michigan for a couple of years. Uh, then from there, went to the University of Kansas in an analyst role, 
Uh, then I got hired in Northern Colorado. I never got to coach a game because of COVID. And then that's when I started seeing the, you know, the news about, you know, Bluefield State wanting to bring football back and doing my kind of research and learning about it, it being an HBCU in, in West Virginia, which shocked me outside of West Virginia State. And then just the demographics of it um, at the time of not being uh, very, uh, a lot of minorities there. And uh, just intrigued me. And to answer the question of why I, I took that challenge, um, or took this challenge, I've been taking challenges my whole life. Uh, you, you don't go to West Point and and um, and make it through there without wanting to, to be challenged. Um, I've always believed in my ability to be a head coach, and this is an opportunity after talking to President K. Part and Athletic Director Price. We had a lot of the same things in, in common and how we wanted to do things and our mindset and the underdog type of mentality. And it was they believed in me, and I believed I was the right uh, uh, individual for this job to to build it from the ground up. And what better way to uh, put an imprint on a program than to build it from the get-go, you know what I mean? And everything about it is is from your mindset and the, your, your staff's mindset, and it's like just empty clay. And uh, a lot of people would take that as, how you, nah, I don't know if I want to take that as my first job, but I didn't look at it that way. It was, I thought it was, the, it was the perfect opportunity for me to um, build a program exactly how I think programs should be built and uh, bringing the right type of coaches and, and players to do the things that we exactly can do. And again, do something that a lot of people won't be able to say that, hey, we were there from the get-go and build it from the ground up. And uh, like I said, 10 months in, we're, we're very excited about the direction we're going and, and can't wait to get, get going in September. All right, Coach, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You said you won a Super Bowl in Denver. That would be the Peyton Manning Super Bowl uh, with Denver, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, my, my, my co-host, Brian Fulford, would be very happy to know that his, his boy Peyton Manning got another uh, Super Bowl. He's a uh, – Brian's an Indianapolis native and a big-time Peyton Manning fan. So, <laughs> yeah. T-Money, man. That's a great deal. So happy you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame, deserving. Talk about a great professional and just a great, great dude all the way around. Um, enjoyed my year there being with him and the rest of those guys. All right. Now, Coach. You you decided to make the leap, but you had to put a staff together. Mm -hmm. How hard or how easy was it for you to convince the people who you've hired on your staff to come along and join you? And and if if someone turned it down, you know, did they ever give you a reason why they may have turned down this opportunity? You don't have to break it down right now. Mm -hmm. All you just have to do is build it up where a lot of times I've, I've spent my fair share of years uh, coaching on the collegiate and high school level. Sometimes you get some jobs, you, you have to break it all the way down before you can build it back up. So why did these guys come versus why maybe a couple other guys may have said, no, not, not the opportunity is not right for me. Yeah. Um, a couple of other, uh, there were a couple of other guys that um, it wasn't all first time yeses across the board. Uh, there are some guys that uh, that I wanted to bring on who for it mainly was for just family reasons. They may have just taken a job, just bought a home, uh, just moved their families in with them. And it just wasn't the right time because of, you know, the family dynamic of just making a move or something like that. Um, but they were all excited about the opportunity of, hey, being a part of building a program from the ground up. And I, I respect uh, respect those men for, for that because, you know, you have to consider that thing. So the no's were mostly because of pretty much all of them because of that. It was a family dynamic and still kind of in the, in the COVID, uh, the pandemic deal. So it was just not sure if they could make it work family-wise moving and all of that. 
but the men that are here, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't as difficult um, when it comes to that sense because I didn't really necessarily um, where I thought about building the staff it wasn't focused on um, you know the X's and O's. All my coaches that are on the staff are great teachers and great coaches, and that that's what you expect, or you wouldn't talk to them and, and bring them on to your staff. But what I focused on is the their leadership ability, their ability to mentor, their ability to uh, groom and and care and, and basically love, uh, uh, gotta have a desire to love uh, young men, you know, and, and, and genuinely care about them and have that family type environment. Cause that's what we're, that's what we're all about. Again, I come from West Point and from the army football world and our brotherhood, there, there's nothing like it. Um, and, and I'll say that it's one of the strongest things. I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a Kappa man as well. And that's a great bond. Uh, but when it comes to football, my my Army football brotherhood is is something that I hold very near and dear. And I'm trying to build that type of brotherhood here. And it comes from a, a genuine, from a place of love. So that's what I focused on. Uh, so when I reached out to, uh, to these gentlemen, um, that's what we talked about. How do they go about developing and leading and mentoring young men? And once I got comfortable with that, I hired my offensive coordinator, my defensive coordinator, and Again, I'm not I'm not a micromanager. I let those guys hire their staff. You know, I recommended a couple guys here and there, and, and in some cases they took them, uh, the, the guys that I recommended. But it was okay. You go hire the guys on your staff, and um, I'm I'm very excited and proud of the, the men we put together because without this staff we wouldn't have been able to do what we have to. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that are self starters. I have a bunch of guys, I have about three or four guys that are in their 20s that are dynamic coaches and leaders at such young ages and are going to be great coordinators and head coaches one day. And because uh, they believe in, we all believe in the same thing. And one thing you said about convincing, it wasn't about convincing. And it's the same thing with the players. I don't try to convince our players to come here. I didn't convince any of these players to come here. I gave them what we were about, what we were trying to do, and let them make a decision. And my ultimate thing was, you know, here's what we are. Here's what we're about. Here's the things we're going to to bestow on you. And if you want to come be a part of it, great. If you don't, that's fine too. I want you to, my bottom line is you go somewhere where you get the education that you that you need, get that degree, and get to play the game you love. And if you do that, I'm going to be just as excited if you go somewhere else, whether you come here. Because bottom line for me, it's about the development and the growth of these young men um, in this profession. Our number one job, yeah, we're going to be judged by winning ball games. I know that. But my ultimate goal is every young man that I coach, and it's been this way for as long as I've been coaching, um, I want to develop them to be the best uh, best husbands, if that's what they choose to be, best fathers, what they choose to be, and just great leaders and, and, and positive people when they become adults. Um, and the things by doing that off the field, we'll get that to translate on the field because it, it correlates. And football field stuff is easy because that's what they love to do. But when you get them to focus in the classroom and in the – in the community on doing those things that translate easily on the football fields and that results in wins. So those are the things we focus on and that's what's going to help us be a successful football program on the field as well. So now coach, outside of putting together a coaching staff and finding players, what else goes into building a first year college football program? And give me that one thing that, the average fan doesn't know that goes in, in, into building building a program uh, from the ground up. Oh man, it's it's the logistical stuff. Um, you know, going through a program 
as a coach, you don't necessarily think about the fact that, you know, when it comes to equipment, you know, you just, hey, go to the equipment room. They got this stuff and, you know, it, it's there and they go about it. Well, we literally have to order all those things. And, uh, you know, it's equipment, it's the travel, it's the, um, you know, the training room. So you're involved in so many different things that you kind of take for granted when you've been in programs that have been established. And especially, you know, for me being at the NFL level and the Power Five and, you know, all levels of college before I got to the D2 level, you know, a lot of those things you take for granted because they're just there. And so going through the process and sitting here and, um, you know, that's why I'm so glad I have the guys I have on staff because um, they're dropping lines and you're like, uh, hey, coach, did you think about this? I'm like, nope, I didn't. Thank you. And I'd get on the phone, call up our guy. Hey, I forgot to order this or we got to do this. So it's the logistical piece of the little bit of things like uh, mainly equipment, every little piece of equipment that you take advantage, uh, that you take for granted, that you have to order. Because, again, no football in 41 years. So not only helmets and shoulder pads and things like that, but socks, you know, uh, girdles, you know, uh, mouthpieces. Um, you know, it, it, you know the the uh, the first down market for practice. You know, whistles. You, you mean you name it. You know, and get, then getting the sizes for guys. You know, when you're they're not even here on campus yet, so you had to estimate. And I reached back to guys at different places that I know. Said, "Hey, man, I, I need you to help me out with this because I have no idea what I'm doing when I'm trying to outfit these guys." You know, so um, so it, it's been like I said, it's been challenging in that realm, but it's been a lot of fun doing it too. And it makes the journey that much more exciting. And on the back end, a year from now, you know, we're going to be sitting back and laughing. Like, remember this time last year when we were trying to order shoulder pads or we were trying to order uh, girdles and, and thigh pads and, and things like that. And, and then 10, 15 years from now, it'll be, it, it'll be the things like that that uh, we'll be able to look back on and say, hey, that was pretty cool. And that's why these coaches are here. And that's why these players are here because those experiences that we'll be able to talk about that most won't. Well, for, for, for your sake, I hope that on game day, you don't realize that, oops, <laughs> I forgot to order A, B, C, what, whatever it is, because we all know it's going, to be, it's going to be something that you are going to need and we're not realizing until you're at that game that... Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. I think we got it all covered by now. Don't, please don't do that. But, 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 Coach, you and I both know the, the, the greatest thing that we do as coaches is improvise and change the game plan on the fly. That's what make, that's okay. what makes most coaches successful. So I'm not... I, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> and then and that's if the local great. academy or Walmart don't have it, you didn't need it anyway. <laughs> and, and that's what it was with our guys on our staff, man. They've been, you know, they keep me in line with that. They keep me on my toes and say, hey, coach, we got to think about this and think about that. My, you know, my OC, uh, Jermaine Gales, who I've known for over a decade, um, he was the first guy I brought in. And, you know, we, we, we've gone through so much. And he's a guy that he's that right, literally my right hand man. He was like, hey, coach, uh, Hey, just something to think about. And sure enough, he keeps me in line and gets me right. And and it goes throughout the staff that way. You know, um, my recruiting coordinator, he's done a lot of great things with planning, you know, getting stuff set for our travel. And I mentioned about, yeah, we yeah, we got to get these hotels for this and, and get this thing set. And next thing you know, he come back next day or a couple hours, hey, coach, I called here and here and here. I got some quotes coming for this. And, you know, heads. so I got guys that when things come up, they don't just sit and wait for us to, wait for me to tell them to do it they'll get on it and do it and that lets me know and I brought on the right guys and to a man on my staff they've all brought so much to what we got going on and again I'd be lost with with uh, without any of them 
Great, great, great. And we're talking with Tony, Coach Tony Coxum, head coach, Bluefield State College. Go Big Blue, as they say there in West Virginia. Now, Coach, you, you're at the Division II level. You've been at you've been a G five school, you've been at P five school, and you've been in the in the league at, at the NFL level. Uh, we're gonna stay college right now. What do you see as the biggest difference between the Division two level that you're at right now and the G five schools that you have uh, that you've been at? And I, I know you're going and you haven't actually gone through a season, but just some of the things that you see that are different right now. Just resources. Um, resources. It's just it's just resources and money. You know, you, you be at a place like uh, Kansas where money is, you know, is, is right there. And, and a lot of people think of it, even when it comes to Kansas, you know, you compare that to other schools in that conference, Big 12, like Texas, Oklahoma, and they, they, they make Kansas, you know, budget look nothing. But, you know, that's a great school that has, a, you know, a lot of uh, great donors and a lot of great facilities there. And that's the biggest thing uh, is the resources available. So you have to do things a little bit differently. Um, and, and my thing is, uh, I was told a lot of ways, uh, well, you know, when you do this, you can't, D2 doesn't travel this well, D2 uh, doesn't, you know, may not be able to stay overnight and do those things. And I'm like, look, I I'm going to give my guys, our guys the best thing we can possibly get. Are, are they going to be able to do everything we did at Kansas? No, we don't have all the resources, but we can get as close as we possibly can if we just try to break out of the, the realm of, well, this is, this is what D2 football does. Because guess what? Our players... Are, are just as, um, you know, they the things that make the athletes at the NFL and the, uh, the Power Five level great, the training staff, the, the meals, all the medical stuff, it's the same thing to make our guys great. You know what I mean? They may have more guys that can, can have a higher ceiling, but those same things can bring them out. So why not provide it for our guys when we can? Um, so, you know, I, I try to bring that same type of thing to our guys. Um, and, and I push the envelope, I push the envelope until they just tell me, no, we can't do it. And if you push the envelope enough, you will get where you end up. You know, we, you know, NFL is here or, or Power Five is here. You know, I'm asking for here, but we may get here. I'll take that. That's the most we can get instead of asking for here and ending up down here. You know, so it's the resources and then, and uh, obviously, you know, scholarships, which, uh, you know, the scholarship structure is different, but. Uh, we're, we're we're great in that de in that department, and I learned how to operate that. And actually, my NFL time helped me deal with that a little bit because scholarship just levels kind of like a salary cap. You know, you got to learn how to piece it piece it together and, and move things around in order to make it work. So that hasn't been an issue. But I'll say resources, um, just being able to have you know at those higher levels, it's almost you know unlimited money. When you need something, it shows up. Um, we we have to be a little bit more creative at this level and work around it and, and get it done. Uh, but again, my goal is to make our guys, um, give them the, the most first class, um, you know, uh, experience as possible um, and not say, oh, we're, we're only a D2 school. We only do that. No, our guys deserve the best. And whatever that best is uh, for us, that's what we're going to give them. All right, Coach. A uh, couple, couple of hotbed issues uh, throughout the uh, – going on throughout college football I wanted to get your opinion on first one and this was the 2019-2020 issue it seemed like the transfer portal over a thousand kids uh out there that don't have a don't have a home right now because they they've entered the portal for one reason or another uh at well number one 
did you utilize the portal to help you build your program there at that school? And then just your thoughts in general on the portal. Um, we, we did. Absolutely. We did. Um, we, we have a lot of kids, um, a good handful of kids that were at uh, transferring from, we got a, a couple from FCS schools that transferred down or kids that were JUCOs or community college that transferred. So we did utilize it. Um, my thoughts on it, there's definitely benefits to it. Um, I just think a lot of the times is that, um, you know, we've kind of gotten to the place to where it makes it a little too easy at times to, to just move on. Um, you know, I believe that there has to be some level of adversity for, for not just young men and athletes, but people in general, young people in general. Uh, life is going to throw adversity to you. And sometimes you, you can't, you know, when, when you're an adult, you can't jump in the transfer portal and, and uh, you know, and change your, your circumstances. So you got to learn to fight through it. But for the most part, I, I think it just uh, allows an avenue for, for people to, hey, um, guys may, uh, and, and gals and, and just athletes in general will choose certain places uh, for, for some of the wrong reasons um, and, and not really think it out or, or, or whatever. And it gives them that ability to, to kind of, you know, get to a situation that's best for them. And um, that, I think that's the benefit of it. But yes, we utilized it. And um, a lot of part of the reason the transfer portal, as it is, is the roster we have in this regard that it got so loaded due to COVID, where everybody getting an extra year and, and kids getting into it, that it just pushed a lot of things down. Those kids that would have gotten the fringe uh, power five or the, the group of five offers um, out of high school, colleges, coaches would just go to the portal and get a kid that they know have, that they've seen play that they know can play at the college level and brought that kid in and have him for two or three years and get a high school kid that they may not have seen since junior year because of COVID and not playing into the spring. And it's just, it's just less risk. So those kids were on the fringe of those D1 offers, you know, group of five and power five, they get pushed down to, you know, um, FCS. And those kids that would have got FCS offers, that naturally pushes, that pushes them down to D2. So we have some kids on our roster that, that in a normal year would have been FCS players. Um, so we were rewarded in that way. And I got a feeling for another year, we're going to see the same thing because it's just going to take a little while for the portal to kind of thin out. Um, so it's benefited us on both ways where we've, we've got a couple of kids from the transfer portal to come and play for us. And just the whole essence of how stacked the transfer portal is right now. There's a lot of high school kids in there that, that were kind of left without homes that should be playing in, in group five and, and maybe fringe uh, power five that, that, that we got here because that, that, you know, we presented the best opportunity for them to play and showcase their skills. Now that the, the portal were the big issues in 2019 and 2020, mm -hmm. 2021 is all about name, image, and likeness NIL. So how does that play into your building of your program at uh, Bluefield State? Um, we, we, we're aware of it. And our thing is we, we just want to get educated on it. Our uh, compliance staff is doing uh, deep research to make sure we have all the ins and outs on it. And our number one thing is to educate the, our student athletes on what it truly means. Because again, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of information that or a lot of perceptions of it that applies greatly to say the, the D1 schools and the, the group of the power five schools. And it does not the same for our school on our level, just, it's just not going to be, you know? So our biggest thing is just try to educate our, our, our students to make sure that they don't do anything to jeopardize the eligibility. 
because it, it can still be jeopardized if you use a school's image, uh, if you use school's name and, and things like that without their permission, and you can still get your eligibility lost. And, and the rules are, are just kind of per school right now. It's not a one uniform rule. And that's not being necessarily told to these, uh, to these young uh, student athletes. So that's what we're trying to do to protect them, to make sure they understand the rules that apply for, in our case, for, for Bluefield State. And, um, it, you know, those opportunities pop up for these, these uh, from, uh, talking football particularly, for them to, to capitalize on that, great. You know what I mean? Um, but, but my number one thing is to make sure that it's done the right way so that they don't jeopardize their eligibility because we all know anytime stuff, stuff like this happens, there's always going to be snakes in the grass that's going to come out and try to, you know, take advantage of these young people. And that's always my number one goal is to protect the young people and uh, protect our players. And um, just want to make sure that they're covered, they know what's going on. And uh, so they make the best decision for them. And if that, if all those bases are covered and they're able to capitalize on their own name and do it the right way, I, I really don't have an issue with it. Do you think, uh, you think we need a blanket policy from the NCAA or do we need to keep it at the school and state level like it currently is right now? Um, two levels to that. Um, they need to, I think it needs to be some level of uniformity um, because again, if it's just at school and state, you know, then you, that's when the whole different uh, outweighs of um, the recruiting advantages pop up. You know what I mean? Simply because this school is letting you use their name and the school's not, it changes things. But it needs to be some some level of uniformity just so um, everyone can figure things out and, and how to do it the right way. Because again, the bottom line should be what's best for the student athlete. And, um, and, and, and what's not being told, everyone's not gonna capitalize the same way off of this. And I think that's what a lot of the misperception is, is that this is gonna benefit everybody. And it's not, it's gonna benefit a handful of people a, a lot more than others and some it's not going to change anything for them and um, that needs to again this needs to be understood that that's what it is so um, but you know we'll see what comes up this thing is constantly changing and um, you know we, we'll just roll with the punches and figure it out as we go all right now let's get into some actual big blue football because we've kind of talked about everything else but big blue football inaugural season starting off this year when big blue gets on the field what type of product will, will we see what will we see on offense what will we see on defense special teams etc just kind of break down what the fans of the big blue are going to see this fall yeah um we want an uh, exciting brand of football across the board our, our mentality is going to be always attacking uh, we want to put a lot of pressure on our opponents in all phases um offensively we're going to play a very up-tempo game, uh, play it fast. It's not, it's going to be a simple for us, for our guys to master it and know what we're doing, but it's going to be at a high pace, at a high tempo. Coach Gales has been running this offense for a long time. He's put up a lot of great numbers over the years doing it at the higher levels of uh, uh, an FCS in, in, in uh, HBCU football. And um, again, this is his baby. This is his off. He knows it like the back of his hand and it's, it's going to be a high tempo type of uh, situation. Um, defensively, um, we're going to be attacking, um, ag aggressive, um, high energy is flying around. That is, that's just how you have to play defensive football, um, especially with these offenses. You, you got to be ready to get downhill and, and uh, a fast group of guys we, we feel be uh, recruited and brought on some young men that can really run 
And we have a versatile group of young men that play multiple positions. And that's going to be a, a big plus for us um, because of all the spread offense and how quickly teams play. And in uh, special teams wise, it's going to be an uh, aggressive unit. Um, a lot of special teams around the country, they just, you know, it's, it's more of a check the block thing. They want to make sure that they don't do anything. They get themselves beat, get penalties, and just kind of survive the play. That's not the way we're going to operate. We're, we're going to play an attacking style. We're looking for opportunities to score, to get the ball back to our offense, and uh, make plays in the, in the kicking game that's going to impact, impact victory. Um, so, but again, through a whole 60 minutes, once our opponents get into the state and once we, those doors lock behind, behind us, we want them to constantly feel us breathing down their neck, constantly feel that pressure. And um, that's the way we're, we're training to, to get to that point. And uh, so to, to constantly let them know, hey, you're, you're in this thing for a long battle. Now we're going to prepare for a 60 minute fight. And um, we expect our opponents to do, have the respect for us to do the same thing. And um, that, and that's to me, that's what I call respecting the game. Um, you, you prepare with the in mind that they're preparing to kick your butt, and so you have to give your effort, all effort, to do that. And if for some reason our opponents don't do that, then they're going to have something to deal with, because um, our job is to to prepare and make sure that you know, you know, we're preparing for six minute battle, and and give them everything we got, and we'll let the chips fall. And as long as we do that, I'm always going to be uh, be uh, cool with the outcome. Uh, I'm more about the process of getting there and the effort that we put in, because those are things we can uh, control. We can't always control how the ball bounces. You know, we can't always control how the breaks we get, but we can control how, how fast we play, how much effort we play with, and the excitement we play with. And uh, that's kind of uh, the standard we're going to set for ourselves. Now, speaking of those opponents, you have an eight-game schedule, uh, which – I think it's pretty good for a first-year program, especially at independent. It's not like you're going into a conference or anything where you've already got, you know, seven to eight games already there. You just got to go out and get two. You had to go out and grind for all these games on your schedule. Uh, season opens up, Lawrence Tech, Elizabeth City, Johnson C. Smith. Those are the first three weekends in September. Off the last weekend in September, that'll be a bye week. Come back in October. UNC Greensboro, University of uh, Fort Lauderdale, Erkstein, and you'll be off on the 23rd. Looks like looks like third Saturday is just y'all Saturday to take off, it seems like, just looking at the schedule. Yeah, uh, I mean, kind of way I set it up, again, not knowing we were going to have a smaller roster for this first year, yeah. a lot of young guys, I didn't want it to have, you know, playing six, seven, eight weeks in a row. You know, gotcha. I, I wanted to set it up where we get a few games in, have a, a bye week to kind of reassess. Um, let our guys heal a little bit because, again, we're going to be young in, in smaller numbers and then do it again for three more weeks. And so I think it played out perfectly to give us just enough rest in between. And um, so, but we also get some good quality opponents and good quality games and get filming to watch everybody play. Because my goal is every single person, every one of our players that is healthy, I want them to play them every week, um, gotcha. regardless of the score. Because, um, again, you, you, again, you'll never get an opportunity to get live reps of, of your, your players against someone else. So we want to, if a guy's healthy, we want to play him every week. I don't care if we're up by 30 points. And, um, but if we don't get everybody in that game who's suited and ready to play, to me, that's going to be an L because uh, we, we let opportunities slip to let, you know, let some guys get on the field and see how they do with some, with some real competition. There you go. There you go. Finishing off your schedule after your second bye, you go to Barton and finish up at home against St. Anselm. So, 
coach, you know, when we, and when I say we, people who look like you and me get our college's football schedule, we look for two things. First thing is when is homecoming? When are the classics? You're not in the classic mode yet, but you do have a couple HBCUs uh, on your schedule, and you'll be traveling to both of those. So before we talk about the HBCUs, when can we go ahead and uh, know what homecoming is so we can go ahead and make our hotel reservations? Because you know how we are. We got to go ahead and get that hotel uh, reservation first. Yes, sir. Uh, so our homecoming is October 9th versus, versus Fort Lauderdale. And uh, the cool thing about that is, uh, and if this wasn't planned, I didn't even realize this until about about two or three weeks after the schedule was done, is that um, I was I was hired. My press conference was on October 9th, 2020. And we're having a homecoming. Happy anniversary, Coach. Yeah, October Hopefully 9th. it comes with a win. 2021. And just the symmetry of it is really cool. Um, so the first four, uh, first homecoming in 41 years is a, a year to the day after I was hired. So um, things like that have been really cool going through this whole process. But our homecomings on that day, uh, Fort Lauderdale is coming in. They're a brand-new program. They they think they started about a year ago, and they played this past spring. Um, so they're coming up to play us for homecoming uh, this fall. All right, now let's talk about the two HBCUs on your schedule. Elizabeth City, Johnson C. Smith, both out of the CIAA. Uh, talk about, uh, they obviously these guys help you out by uh, agreeing to uh, schedule games with you. So just kind of talk about the relationship and the importance of having fellow HBCUs on your schedule, especially considering you're a not only an HBCU independent, you're a Division II independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really um, you know, going through the schedule again, and my staff did a great job of just reaching out to different connections and, and calling people on staff that they knew. And, um, you know, the, these the, I got these two done pretty quickly. Both were uh, very interested in playing us and, and, and getting it set and uh, really enjoyed. I really uh, like the fact that we get to go there uh, because, one, it allows our faculty our administration to see what an uh, HBCU game day experience like um, and, and on the road. So that'll be good. And then, you know, particularly uh, Johnson C. Smith was, it's only, Charlotte's only a couple of hours away from us, about two and a half hours. And we're playing that uh, a night game. So I know that's going to be a lot of fun in Charlotte at night and just to get to see those environments. So um, both of those coaches did a great job of, of working with us and, and making it happen. We actually have a home at home with, uh, Johnson C. Smith, they're coming to us to open the season next year in 23. So um, that that was really great, and we're uh, we're excited to uh, to play all these guys. All right, Coach, uh, we go get ready to get you out of here uh, with this. You know, we've been sitting here going back and forth. I've asked you plenty of questions, but I know it's something that I've left out that you feel that you need to get off your chest. So go ahead. Anything that I did not ask that you want to get out to uh, the big blue fans out there? Oh, well, again, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on here. You're taking the time to to uh, bring little old big blue out here and um, and get us a, a little bit of name, name pub. But, um, you know, we're excited about the season we're about to have. And I uh, just kind of want to share with some people some things, some ways they can follow our program, um, you know, follow follow us as a team. You know, our main page is at go-bstate.com. That's our athletic website. Um, my Twitter account is uh, at Coach Coates, B-O-A-X-17. That's my personal Twitter account. Um, then we have our B-State Sports Twitter account. And uh, 
as for our whole athletic department. Um, Cause again, we have, uh, we have a total of 22 sports now. So we're growing very fast. Um, the football page is a big blue underscore FB. That's for our football Twitter. Um, so those are just some of the places that, um, you know, you can track not only our football our program, but all the uh, Bluefield State athletics. And it's exciting times going on here and this thing's going fast and uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. And uh, we can't wait to uh, get going in the fall. Well, Coach, we appreciate you uh, joining us here today on the uh, BCS in Sports Wrap. And once once again, Coach, if they have a donation, a check, or want to become a booster, how do they do that? Because that's the most important thing because we can't continue these programs on without money, point blank. Cash app, Google Pay, <laughs> Apple Pay, PayPal, old-fashioned check, whatever it is. Just not the hundred dollar handshakes. Oh no, no doubt. So I mean, we have our on, on our um, on our main page. We have a uh, a gift uh, link. So if you go to our football page in our football account page, there's a link on there for uh, if you want to give any types of donations to our programs. And uh, it's a simple uh, once you click on the link, the simple drop downs to go to the athletic department. Um, you can make a one time gift. You can make a reoccurring gift. You go to BSC Athletics, and then from there you can pick a particular sport or if you just want to give the program as a whole. So it's a very simple process on our uh, on our football page and our main school page where uh, if anyone is uh, interested in donating. Once again, Coach, we thank you for joining us here today. And for Coach Tony Coxon, this is A.D. Drew, BCSN Sports Route. We'll be right back after this message. But E.O. my beast, they are hard.